from the glove compartment of Thelma Louise's Thunderbird, it's the IGN Digiguide. Please welcome the last king of Scotland, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Yeah, no, no attribution that time. That's, uh, I think that was one you wrote. Me? Yeah. You know what? I like this one. You, yeah. uh, why don't you ask, who wrote that one, Bob? Oh, uh, who wrote that one, Bob? Mark Kaiser. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Wade, there's only one stupid for movies left, Wade. Uh, so I've heard. And uh, by the way, yes. even though there's only one stupid for movies left, we have to say that the DVD Digigods podcast... Will continue. Will forever. continue. It ain't... <laughs> Although someday we'll have to be, we'll, we'll have to become the uh, the DVD streaming gods. Yeah, well, we'll see what takes place. Because you know in what? The Here's the thing. I, for some reason, right now, I, I'm I, I'm in a full blown DVD to Blu-ray conversion thing. Yeah, I'm converting as many of my DVDs to Blu-ray as, as I as I can as I can mm-hmm. buy for nothing. Yes. trading in DVDs, begging you for the occasional Blu-ray, yes. all that sort of stuff. And I realize that Ooh, you know, I hit the mic. You can stream all you want. But it's still not as good as a Blu-ray, and you don't have the extras. So, yes, streaming is great. I love my Netflix. But, and but the movies that I love, I want to own on Blu-ray. Latest, latest developments this week, by the way. Netflix, huge increase in subscribers. 60%. And 60% over last year. Yet, not as much as analysts were expecting. Stock took a huge hit. Yeah, it's bizarre. So, so it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it you know you know how that is. It's like yeah, you were bigger, but not as big as we thought you would be. So in our minds, that means it's a setback. Because the you know what? It, it, well, these it, companies are all beholden to their stockholders, not the customers. Two other interesting uh, bits. There, they just signed a an exclusive agreement for all um, streaming rights to DreamWorks animation animation stuff, and DreamWorks animation beat expectations on the market, which is astonishing because they, they were just like going down in flames for well, a second. Well, that's Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. But that's fascinating. And then uh, in a related story, did you hear what's happening with Hulu and Fox? Well, Hulu might be unloaded. No, but ha- Fox is saying that if you want to watch uh, immediately any Fox shows on Hulu that you missed on television – you have to prove that you are actually a cable or a satellite subscriber. Well, uh, authenticated streaming, yes. as they call it, yes. is going to become way more popular. Because here's what's happening is that you mm. get a lot, of these, a lot of these networks now, a lot of these companies, they saw the value in having a piece of content go everywhere. But now they're starting to rethink that and they're taking a lot of their content back. They don't want their content in 65 different areas where they get nothing for it. They'd rather have their content in, you know, three websites, you know, their own website, exactly. Hulu and Netflix. And then at least they know that at least the, at least they know where their content is. Yes. At least they can monetize. They know what's coming in. So now you get a lot of these companies are really pulling their their uh, their product back from all these websites. And they're also going through YouTube and they're cleaning up YouTube. They're cleaning up YouTube. The, the network that I work for. Yes. Actually went through, and I believe we actually hired a bunch of like, you know, just kids to literally go through YouTube and pull all unauthorized postings of our network's shows. I don't even there know. There were how you, thousands. You, you see, there that's, were that's thousands. What's it took them months to pull down every time Johnny Nobody from nowhere puts up a clip of the girls next door. And how do you? They went through and put them down. How do you, pol- how do you police down. that going forward? 
Well, it's getting easier, but it, it, it always, but, the, but, the, but the main thrust of it was this huge month-long When all the initiative. downfall videos were removed from YouTube, it took about a month before a whole new onslaught started appearing. You know, They're like termites. I, I, I mean, you're never going to control this to the extent that everyone wants to. You know what really annoys me about that whole downfall, those downfall videos? Mm. Is that Downfall's a great film. It's a great film. It was one of the best films of that year. It's yeah. a great film, and yeah. now it's just known for this. Yeah. And, and now a lot of people, when they watch it, that incredible moment at the end will just trigger all kinds of Snickers. <laughs> Ooh, I like Snickers. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite candy bars. <sighs> By so, the way, wait, I, I still have some uh, Nutella bacon ice cream from last week. You want any? Moving on. Why don't you eat bacon? Ugh. You, you eat beef. No. You just ate a hamburger right now. No, it was a turkey burger. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's why I, I only go to Carney's and Fat Burger. Because they have great turkey burgers. You know, there's a fat burger uh, like 100 yards from my place. I know. I know. Oh, believe me, I know. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> um, we're going to start off by talking about Peeping Blog. And you ask, why are you going to talk about Peeping Blog? What in blazes is Peeping Blog? Why, it's the paranormal activity of stalker films, according to Horror Grind. Well, you know what? When Horror Grind is. says it. Well, you know what? We didn't even request this. <laughs> this actually just got sent to us from uh, the good people at Music Video uh, Distribution, MVD Visual, otherwise known as, and uh, it's because this is a Creep Creeperson film, and we reviewed Creep Creeperson's Ding Dong Dead. That's starring... it, starring our good friend Luke White Thompson. That's right. Uh, so this is another Creep Creeperson film. I wish Creep Creeperson would use his real name. It's kind of like... Uh, whoa, 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 wait. Are you saying that's not his real name? Uh, no, it's like Mc, McG or something. Yeah, the worst. So, uh, yeah, he produced and wrote and directed it, so he has no one to blame but himself. And, uh, there it is. It's Creep Creeperson's Peeping Blog. It, it basically, it's exactly what it is. It's a, it's an attempt at doing like a stalker film in paranormal activity style. And, uh, is it very good? No. But, uh, you know what? There it is. It's, uh, it's out there for those of you that saw Ding Dong Dead and you just can't get enough of that guy. There he is. And then in somewhat the same vein, also from uh, the people over at uh, Music Video Distributors, is uh, The Puppet Monster Massacre, which I know you're fond of, Mark. I like puppets and I like monsters. Not that much of a fan of massacres. Well, so it's got two out of three. This is... Uh, I'm not quite sure why this has won animated film awards, but uh, whatever. This is kind of like taking Muppets to a perverse level. Um, what do you want? It, it, it's exactly what it purports to be. It is a very strange and obscure title. You won't find it easily. You'll find it if you go online and search for it. It's definitely on Amazon. Is it? Yes, it is. Wow. Go figure. Well, it's a, it's, it's, it's a comedy. I mean, it's obviously yeah. a big... It's a big. Wow. It's, a, it's a puppet homage to the it is, to the horror it is, films of our youth. It is a very strange and perverse idea, executed with some panache. Yes, some panache. Some panache. <laughs> Maybe even a pan of chocolat. Oh, oh I'm hungry. Oh, uh, let's I'm see. always hungry. All right, so we started off with a couple of duds. Let's move into something really cool. Let's talk about Wait, Criterion's why, right off the top. Why should this show be any different from any other? We start <laughs> off with a bunch of duds. I know. There you go. Uh, you know, Criterion has a, uh, a line called Eclipse. This is all the stuff that wouldn't normally really justify a full-blown Criterion release. Uh, these are films that are worth releasing, 
usually foreign films, but they need to they need to box them up in sets so that the the set justifies it or the theme, the overarching, uh, the the blanket concept is what you're really selling here. And uh, this one is a really interesting. This is number twenty seven. Can you believe they've already had twenty seven Eclipse releases? That's Seems unreal. like it's been a while since number twenty six. Man. Anyway, this is uh, Raffaello Matarazzo's Runaway Melodramas. And I know what you're thinking. Who the hell is Raffaello Matarazzo? Um, ra- well, you have to go back to the, uh, the 1940s and the 1950s. And uh, Matarazzo was a, an Italian, obviously an Italian filmmaker. Well, he was doing what they weren't doing at the time elsewhere in the country, which is all the Correct. neorealism stuff. Correct. You, you know, they had kind of abandoned all those costume dramas and all that sort of stuff. And uh, Matarazzo was, uh, you know, he, he was stuck with the old school, the old, uh, a lot of the old traditional concepts. And uh, I don't know that I'm really that fond of these films, but I understand that they are his- historically significant. Uh, the films included here are Chains, Tormento, Nobody's Children, and The White Angel. Um, all of them, you know, 133, they fit very nicely on your widescreen television with big black bars on the sides, if that drives you crazy. Uh, but you know what? I mean, it's almost like, from a thematic standpoint, he foreshadows Bresson, but, uh, or Bresson, for those who don't want to actually pronounce it correctly, uh, but in a much more lavish way. Uh, they're interesting. They're, they're very nicely photographed, very well executed, uh, not at all what I would have uh, expected of Italian film from that period. So, you know, there was another flip side to the, the neorealist experiment. And you can experience that flip side. Yes, you can. With this box set. And then we also have from Criterion, uh, Todd Salons' Life During Wartime. If you didn't see this, this is a, we got this on Blu-ray. It doesn't really justify a Blu-ray. I can't think of any Todd Salons film, which does. They're not, um, shall we say, stylistically all that dazzling. I mean, they're, they're well-made, they're well-written, but they don't sort of wow you visually. Uh, so I think you'd be perfectly fine with the DVD of this thing, even an upconverted DVD. But... Um, but Criterion, they they like to attach themselves to modern auteurs. day auteurs. Yes, you know the uh, Paul Thomas Andersons and the uh, the Bottle Rocket guy. Yeah, and, yeah, Wes Anderson. Wes <laughs> yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson. They're they're both Anderson. When was the last Wes Anderson film? Do it was that Mister Fox thing that you liked. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, I know you did. That was, I my, did. that was my pick for animated film of the year. I know, not mine. Uh, anyway, this is an official director-approved edition, and uh, Todd Salons, for those of you that don't know, is a very disturbed young man. He, he, I've met him. Uh, he's very nice. He's very polite. Uh, almost. It's always the quiet ones who are it's the... It's always uh, the quiet ones, exactly. This is actually a, a basically a sequel to uh, Happiness, although with different actors playing the various parts. So if you've seen Happiness, you sort of have to connect the dots and go, okay, that actor, all right, that's that character and that's that character. And, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of what he did in Palindromes, where in Palindromes you have all these different actors playing one part and it changes every so often. You go from like a young white girl to an older black woman. And, you know, it's it very much like I'm Not There, the Bob Dylan film. Yeah, it's a little, a little, you know, he likes to do things that are extremely avant-garde and creepy and weird and aggressive. Anyway, uh, Life During Wartime just continues the adventures of all of those dysfunctional, those incredibly dysfunctional people from happiness. And uh, it's not as good as happiness. Happiness is a deeply disturbing movie. Oh, yeah. Dylan oh, Baker? My, oh, jeez. That movie just gets under your skin. But this is actually very good. It, I kind of felt like this was a return to form in a way. I thought Salons had gotten 
a little bit uh, gone a little bit afield. So there it is. I, I, but I think you're, you're probably fine with it. They didn't send us the DVD, but I'm going to say you're probably fine with the DVD. Uh, Léon Morin Priest. This is a Jean-Pierre Melville film uh, featuring the amazing Belmondo, who we had the privilege of meeting. Uh, about a year and a half ago or so. You know, yes, when Lafayette well, gave him Lafayette our gave lifetime him, achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was the man. He was there looking like uh, James Bond with those women on either arm. I still don't know who those women were. Anyway, this they is... They were hired by him to make him look more French. Yeah, I suppose. This is from 1961, and uh, Belmondo is, uh, is pretty great. He... Um, you know, it, this is this is one of the Melville films that is not necessarily a obviously by the title you would imagine it's not a gangster film, um, but uh, it it is about repression and doubts and uh, a lot of those uh, those heavy quasi religious and very heavily social issues that uh, permeated French films in the nineteen sixties. And uh, you know what? It's uh, it, it's good. This is the Blu-ray edition, and um, highly recommended. Lots of good extras, as you would expect. And then, last criterion before we move on to things is the uh, long-awaited high and low Blu-ray edition. Which yeah. you know what? You got to get it. It's uh, Kurosawa, right? And right. what's funny is that it's a Kurosawa film, but it's starring a, a Mifune, but it's based on an American crime novel uh, by Ed McBain. Yes, who really doesn't exist. You know, Ed McBain is not the real name of that author. That's Stephen King. No, no, no. I used to read Ed McBain novels all the time, though. Those were great crime novels. Yeah, they were like Elmore Leonardy sort of yeah. uh, hard-boiled stuff. Really hard-boiled stuff. And there was, you know, there was like like the detective who was in a lot of them was Meyer Meyer. Like that's gutsy. Meyer Meyer. And, 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 That's cool. And his wife, Golda Meyer. There you go. Well, but, what, what's great about High and Low is that it has this really juicy little uh, premise at its center. Yes. I like that. Yes. You know, you, when, uh, when, uh, when Toshiro saw that his son was kidnapped, he was willing to pay the ransom. When he realizes that, by mistake, his chauffeur's son was kidnapped, he's suddenly not so willing to pay the ransom. Pretty cool. So it's pretty that cool. Was a little, uh, all, all those Ed McBain novels were really, really great back in the day, and uh, I, I don't know why they didn't make more of them into American films. I really don't. They just had. A, they would have been great in the seventies. Would have been perfect stuff for you know the likes of Frankenheimer to do. Yeah. Been great. Totally, don't know why they didn't. Totally perpendicular. Uh, speaking of totally, no. Wait, now we're big, big fans of um, Moon, which is the uh, movie debut of uh, directing debut of Duncan Jones, the son of David Bowie. Who was born Zowie Bowie. Who was born Zowie Bowie, so he's a smart man to go ahead and just say, you know what, not into the Zowie. It's, it's like all those Zappa kids, honestly. Moon unit. Uh, Omit. The worst. Dweezil. The worst. God, what happened to Dweezil Zappa? He's got his band, you know. I, it's just, it's like there, there was a, like 50 years old or something. There was, you know who else is like 50? Isn't Paulie Shore like 50? You know, Paulie Shore's brother just, uh, uh, I, I used to hang out with Paulie Shore's brother. And uh, I used to hang out with Paul Shore's brother, and he just tried to friend me on Twitter. Oh, did he? And now, did you agree to do it? Well, I don't really go on Twitter. The only reason why I know that he tried to friend me on Twitter is because when somebody does, I get an email to my personal account. Oh. So it said, you know, yeah, he wants to be a friend, and I haven't logged into Twitter yet. Anyway, uh, we were very curious to see what Duncan would do next, and now we know it is Source Code, which is uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal Michelle Moynihan like film. And this is a terrific film. This, you know what? It's one of those strange films that it really makes absolutely no goddamn sense. I mean, let's face it. It really doesn't. But you somehow, you're so involved in it that you don't really care that it doesn't make any sense. 
I, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. Do you but, really? But, well, here's the thing. Here's what I like about Source Code. You know, it was about, and this, I, I don't want to give anything away substantially, but it was part of the way through Source Code when it occurred to me that this is not meant to be a science fiction film like The Matrix or any of those other, uh, you know, what's real and what isn't real movies. No. It's intellectually more like The Menagerie, the Star Trek I think premiere. it wants to be like that. I don't know that I bought it. I don't know that I, I, I think that its aspirations were a little uh, higher than the reality. I, yeah, but you know what? Jeez, it's a thinking man's science fiction film. We don't get many of those. Usually, I, I, yeah. Andrew Nichol is the only guy who's ever given us like thinking science fiction films in recent years. And it's nice. Duncan Jones is now doing it, too. I Look, Bring I, on. I'm kind of knocking Source Code, but I did like it a lot. It, uh, again, I just... You're, you're, somehow, he involves you in it, in the, in the mysteries, in the twists, in who is Jake Gyllenhaal's character. You're so involved in that that it just... You don't really have time or really interest in questioning what's going on. What is the source code? I still don't quite get it. But, uh, neither uh, do I, but, but it, it works. It doesn't matter. But it looks good on Blu-ray. There's a whole bunch of um, special features, including an audio commentary with Duncan Jones and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. And uh, it's good stuff. I say you should at least rent it. Okay, Mark, we're going to blow through these uh, MGM releases. You know, MGM releases through 20th Century Fox. And uh, there are a whole bunch of catalog titles that we're just gonna we're just gonna cascade through. We'll we'll alternate here. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Yeah, we're, we're gonna alternate because because they're all just catalog titles and they're all very very uh, mediocre transfers. But they're on Blu-ray, and if you just want to switch up to Blu-ray and you don't care that it is like you know is it is it a, a thousand percent better than the DVD? No, I'd say it's maybe like in every one of these cases varying uh, anywhere from eighty-five to ninety percent better than the DVD, which is really. Kind of marginal. Uh, Honeymoon in Vegas, uh, I used to think was a really middling comedy until the era of um, Catherine Heigl was upon us. And now I just think this thing is like, might as well be His Girl Friday. Really, you know what I mean? It's like, geez, wow, we've gotten so bad that now this is like a masterful classic comedy. Well, that that was my reaction to Crazy Stupid Love, which which has a lot of terrific moments. I mean, terrific adult moments, not terrific, oh, that's not bad for a Catherine Heigl film moments like terrific right terrific mature romantic comedy moments and you're like you know compared to everything else that's out there crazy stupid love for all its flaws it does it, it just feels like his girl friday well this was written and directed by andrew bergman who uh really has not done enough honestly andrew bergman has not made enough no, stuff i mean ris- risky business and then and like what else nothing i mean nothing, nothing really come on the guy make more movies man come on come on come back to us uh, Honeymoon in Vegas, of course, uh, James Caan, Nicholas Cage, Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, it, it, it's funny. What can, you, what can you say? It's just funny. Nicholas Cage, uh, you know, in a rare moment when he was not overacting all beyond comprehension. And uh, is that pa-a-ah or pa-a-ah-ah? I mean, come on. That stuff's funny. It's good. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. Not yeah. a great transfer, but it's a funny movie. Uh, also, uh, funny, sort of, kind of, is uh, from 1987, Overboard. This is an old uh, Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell film. And uh, this is a movie where uh, Kurt Russell plays a handyman who learns how the other half lives. The other half, of course, represented by yeah. Goldie Hawn, who is like this rich heiress. And there's a lot of funny uh, lines in the film. Uh, Russell and Hawn have a nice little uh, banter together. It's directed by Gary Marshall. And uh, it's not bad. It's uh, And they're thinking of remaking it. As well, they should. Are they really? Yeah. Isn't that insane? I did. Like, know. like, really overboard? I did not know that. I mean, it's fine, but if you're going to re, I mean, really, 
Is there an audience out there that's just going like, oh man, I wish they'd be made overboard? Well, the thing is that that movie's been done so many times. There's the uh, there's like the uh, the blue collar the, bl- the blue collar slob who finds out how the uh, every single movie with Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson <laughs> is basically a remake of Overboard. Uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, classic, brilliant. This kind of began a, a whole wave of British independent films. And uh, it put a lot of people on the map, uh, including Richard Curtis, who previously had basically been, you know, who wrote it and who had been just a, primarily a TV guy, who created, you know, a lot of uh, stuff for Rowan Atkinson, Blackadder, and uh, Mr. Bean. And uh, Curtis has gone on to direct. And he's great. He's, he's terrific. And, you know, Mike Newell directed, did a great job. Uh, Rowan Atkinson, of course, is in it in a brief little part as the uh, the bumbling priest. But uh, Hugh Grant and Andy McDowell, just delightful. What's happened to Andy McDowell? She got old. It's no excuse. Men get old. Yeah, but men can. But in Hollywood, men can age into I different guess. sorts of roles. Women uh, cannot do that. Well. Uh, Wedding Days is a terrible comedy from 2006. This stars uh, Jason Biggs and uh, Isla, whatever her name is, Isla. What's her name? Isla. Isla. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Isla. Uh, uh, Isla. Isla Fisher. I, I love Lucy Fisher. Isla Fisher. And. Um, this is a movie about a guy who uh, just lost love of his life, so he goes ahead and proposes to the first girl he sees, a waitress, played by Fisher, and it's all about what happens uh, when Bailey, it's pretty much the story of a shotgun wedding. Yeah. It's a comedy about a shotgun wedding. There you go. Is it funny? Um, I will give you a hint as to whether or not it's funny. Uh, have you ever heard of Wedding Days? No. Okay. This is from 2006. It's not good. Okay. Uh, you know what's okay? The Cutting Edge. I've made fun of this many times, but it's not bad. It is one of those cheesy, like early. Was it early nineties? It's just you know what it, it. It's a bit of a yeah. It's like a. It, it's kind of cheesy melodrama, uh, but it's it. You know they skate and something about the the whole bit on ice. You know, there were so many movies like that back then. You know, they just the everything ho- from the like hockey, the Karate Kid to give like, out last night. Yeah, it's like the hockey player, and dancing. the hockey player, and the prima ballerina, or the you know the the figure skater, and they'd fall in love. And you know, come on, it's a, there's a little thing to it. And I got you know one reason why I have a soft spot for this movie: the director, Wade Major, Paul Michael Glazier, yeah, or rather Paul M. Glazier. But you know what? Hey, you're still Starsky to me. No, you really. What you really are, you are still the director of the Running Man. That's right. To me, yeah. Uh, from 2003 comes another catalog title being crapped out. Uh, although there's a whole lot of extras on this uh, movie called A Guy Thing. Is a is the is a guy thing which stars uh, Jason Lee, Julia Stiles, and Selma Blair. Is it worth watching? Absolutely, positively not. But uh, you know, I got to say, for a catalog title that's really crapped out, um, it's uh, not bad. It's got an audio commentary. And deleted scenes, alternate ending, and uh, the problem is that uh, the movie sucks. They, uh, they I like this film. Did you like? Did you like I it? I kind of did. Yeah, and you it's know what? Not bad. And here's the thing with this movie. I mean, it's not as good as Get Shorty. We're talking about, of course, Be Cool. Be Cool, the sequel to Get Shorty. But I tell you, uh, The Rock. This is the first movie where I said, "Oh my God, The Rock is great." He is. He is terrific in this. He is terrific in this. You know, here's the thing. Um, it's directed by F. Gary Gray, who does not have, I think, the same sense of timing that uh, Barry Sonnenfeld has. 
And Barry Sonnenfeld, you know, really... Oh, he's got great comic timing. He's got terrific comic timing and should not have been making a lot of these kind of big flamboyant, you know, effects films. Uh, he really should have been focusing on, on smart little comedies. And uh, there, there's some nice stuff in this. Again, not as good as Get Shorty. It, it just misses the, you know, in Get Shorty, everything kind of came together in a really cool way. But, uh, look, Travolta's terrific and Uma Thurman's terrific. And, uh, you know, The Rock is fabulous. Um, it's, it's a decent sporting cast. It's fun. It's all right. So, um, and then uh, not in that same vein. This is um, a, uh, a slightly more shocking film on Blu-ray that we have gotten. This is, uh, of course, the Tartan Library. We should backtrack a little bit here. You know, Tartan was bought, and everybody thought Tartan films would go away forever. All those cool, you know, horror films and Asian imports, and uh, it is now back. And everything's getting re-released because Palisades Pictures bought them, and it's now Palisades Tartan. So the uh, library is coming out again under Palisades Tartan Asia Extreme, as opposed to just being Tartan Asia Extreme. And uh, this is a film called Matrimony, subtitled Till Death Do Us Part. The artwork here is a picture of uh, basically a severed... uh, Someone is holding in their hands a severed bloody hand and removing the wedding ring. What? Removing the wedding band. What? Yep. Pretty nasty. Uh, y- y- you almost can't comprehend how deeply, deeply disturbing this film is. Uh, I was not able to get through the whole thing because I would like to keep my memory of uh, David Lean's Blythe Spirit gleefully intact. This is kind of like a really twisted Chinese version of Blythe Spirit. Uh and I mean that in absolutely the every conceivable way. If you imagine Blythe Spirit as a horror film done Chinese style with a lot of really creepy stuff, this is not just a Chinese ghost story, which, in fact, the original Chinese ghost story, none of the Chinese ghost story movies are all that scary. They're just fun. This thing's freaky. A little too freaky for me, but really well done. So if this is your, if this is your vibe, you know, hey. <laughs> but uh, don't watch it late at night. Uh, me, I won't, I won't watch it at all. Uh, Trust is a very strange film that got really mixed reviews. Trust is a movie uh, starring Clive Owen and Catherine Keener, and it is about a uh, a girl who uh, all I'll say is it's very uh, hot topic, very hot button topic. It's about a girl who gets involved in this sexting thing, this teen sexting oh, uh, craze, gosh. and all this, uh, all you know, and she winds up with. Uh, she winds up befriending this online predator, and there's lots of uh, dangerous stuff going on. And um, so it's very of the moment. You know, the film was directed by David Schwimmer. and Who is a really good director, by the way. Well, he really he, is. What, here's, here's, here's what he has that works in this film, and here's what he has. Here's what he doesn't have that sinks this film. What he has is he has empathy for his actors. He's good at crafting the performances what he's not necessarily good at is propelling the story getting us involved moving it along sweeping us away that's not really his thing um his movies are very slow the paul bearer was kind of the same way which is a film i liked uh so trust is really not a bad film considering it it uh it touches on this really trendy hot topic that might have had some purient little layers to it but he doesn't really go there he kind of goes the smart way i just wish that he could kind of like you want to take the movie by by the lapels and go just go move go make every make everyone drop acid i did that before i watched the movie 
You know who else did that? Oh, uh, Timothy Leary. Auto prem. Well, not quite. Yeah, Timothy. Timothy Leary factors into what I'm going to talk about right now. You know, Timothy Leary helped Otto Preminger drop acid. Is that right? Yeah, you didn't know that? I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Otto Preminger, Groucho Marx, and Jackie Gleason all dropped acid to prepare for this film. Oh, you made it a lie. <laughs> That's true. Skidoo. Uh, this very bizarre artifact of uh, the, uh, the counterculture era... Uh, from 1968, a pivotal year, mind you. This is the year. This is the year before the only. This is the the first year of the movie rating system. In 1968, the very first rated movie ever to win was the only G-rated movie ever to win. That's Oliver. The next year, the only X-rated movie ever to win, which was Midnight, Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy. And this is just a twisted, weird drug. Inflected psycho. Yeah, but bomb. check out this. Read some names from the little cast list. Carol Channing and her freaking boat. It's just bizarre. Carol Channing, Jackie Gleason, Frankie Avalon, uh, Groucho Marx plays God, in quotes, gangster named God, Mickey Rooney, uh, George Raft, Cesar Romero, Burgess Meredith, Peter Lawford. uh, George Raft. Frank Gorshin. And yes, Burgess Meredith and Frank Gorshin, both in this, not playing Batman villains. You got it. Uh, it's just a, it's just a, unbelievable, and really, Otto Preminger directing. You're thinking, how could they fail? They failed. It tanked. It was, it was just a completely psychedelic misfire. Uh, and no point really going into the plot because there, there's not much of one. Uh, suffice to say, if you want to watch a movie that is just completely 100 percent uh, ripped out of the whole psychedelic era, and a movie just, that just screams. Uh, wow, I thought up all of this stuff on an acid trip and I thought you'd find it interesting. I'm sorry that you don't. That's this movie. It's Skidoo. It's out from Olive Films, originally a Paramount film, but Olive has, Olive has very smartly licensed a lot of these obscure titles from the Paramount library that Paramount doesn't know what to do with. So this is a curiosity piece. Uh, worth a rental, I think. Because I think, too. I mean, it's such an oddball film. It's such an odd movie and definitely worth a rental because you will watch this and you'll go, really? Paramount made this? Because we just saw a movie that Paramount made called Cowboys and, and Aliens. I, that's what Paramount makes today. Back in the day. They made Skidoo. They made Skidoo. Yeah, Otto Preminger, not my favorite comedy director. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go through a bunch of uh, these Echo Bridge titles, that uh, you, the, kind of the, the Miramax titles. But first, something from Echo Bridge that is not from the Miramax classics um, is the, uh, the trio of Puppet Master films that you can get either uh, separately or together. Uh, Puppet Master, well, the curse of the Puppet Master, the human experiment, and then Puppet Master 4 and 5. Uh, 1, 2, and 3 are out there if you feel like you really have to be uh, complete about the Puppet Master series because, you know, there's so much about this rich saga that just improves with every subsequent film. Uh, not really, no. They're, they're, they're just the same nonsense over and over. But uh, if you uh, if you love these movies, if you just cannot get enough of the crazy murderous puppets, well, there you go. There's more of them out there. Um, uh, just uh, real quickly here, the the some new Miramax classics from the uh, library that have been re-released, uh, courtesy of Echo Bridge. Remember, Echo Bridge is releasing uh, a lot of the kind of second-tier titles while the really A-list stuff that they're adding new extras to are coming out from Lionsgate. And i got to tell you, a lot of really good stuff here that they're uh, they're giving over to Echo Bridge. So uh, Echo, don't, don't let that dissuade you. Echo Bridge has inherited a lot of great movies. Uh, Her Majesty Mrs. Brown is one of the great films of the last... 
20, 25 years, uh, a, a performance as uh, Queen Victoria by Judi Dench that should have won an Oscar. And Billy Connolly, one of the funniest men who has ever lived, is uh, in one of his best ever dramatic parts. I was privileged to do the uh, press day for this at the Cannes Film Festival back in whatever it was, 92, 93. Uh, and, uh, wow, what an um, uh, just un- a beautiful time. I mean, everybody was just so, it, on the beach at Cannes talking to Billy Connolly and Judy Dench. Those were the days, Mark. Here I am stuck talking to you. Oh, I wish I was in Cannes yeah, right. having eggplant pizza at La Pizza. Well, anyway, this is the story of uh, the relationship between uh, the widowed Queen Victoria and her, uh, her you know, uh, manservant, her Scottish manservant, John Brown. And it's a lovely story and just incredible performances directed by John Madden, who would go on to do... Uh, oh, he's uh, the, 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 the... Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, the football coach. No, Shakespeare in Love. Anyway, so bam... Uh, Judy Dench, by the way, uh, you know who's uh, turning uh, okay, Japanese? You know who has a, I love that album, The Vapors. I have both her albums. Yeah. Um, Martha Stewart has a birthday this week. I would, oh, this week. Yes. Okay, good. Guess how old Martha Stewart is going to be? Uh, 75. Really? 70? I don't know. 70 years old. Really? Doesn't that seem bizarre to you? Do, yeah. Wouldn't you think she'd be like 55? Yeah. Weird, she's gonna be se- she's really gonna be seventy. She's having she is celebrating her seventieth birthday this week. My goodness, a, f- a friend of mine actually. Uh, you know what it is? It's because she spent those last fifteen in prison. Yes. That's why we've missed her. Uh, when she was when she was under house arrest and she had the ankle bracelet mm-hmm. thing, a friend of mine was working on one of her shows, and really? so he had to spend time with her in her compound. Oh boy! And he, I'll never forget. He says to me, um, he says to me. You will. I've never experienced a moment when Martha Stewart said to me, "Would you like some hot chocolate?" Oh my! And the idea that Martha Stewart is actually making me hot chocolate. He said, "I will never forget that." He also said that Martha Stewart has no friends. Really? Yes. Wow, that's sad. Friendless. That's terribly sad. Uh, we also have Merrimack's film here called Carolina, which was kind of a misfire, and it's too bad. Uh, it, it's better than well, it's not as good as it should be, but it's better than anybody gave it credit for being. Does that sound like a diplomatic way of kind of splitting the difference here? It sucks. All right. Uh, Julia Stiles, Shirley MacLaine, Alessandro Nivola. I really like Alessandro Nivola. Uh, this is uh, one of those movies about, you know, a, there's always a crazy old broad in these movies, and it's, all, it's usually played by Shirley uh, MacLaine. And, uh, you know, this is just uh, sort of the, uh, the difference. Well, there's a little bit of abfab in this, right? You know? I never liked that show. You, do, you, you don't like abfab? No. Why? You love Ab. You, you love, love all Ab those Fab. shows. I love Ab Fab. Uh, all that BBC oh crap. Gosh. What is wrong with you? I love it. Anyway, yeah, Julia Stiles, of course, is the uh, saner latter generation, and uh, Shirley MacLaine is the wackier older generation, and Alessandra Nivola is the knight in shining armor. It's a nice little family drama. Uh, everybody who has a dysfunctional family will relate to it, but uh, not a great film, but an okay film. And it's out on DVD. Not Blu-ray, just regular DVD, again. A film I love is Playing by Heart. Uh, This is a tremendous movie that features, believe it or not, a young Jon Stewart. Surprisingly good as an actor. Well, uh, Stewart was Stewart flirted with a movie career. He did back before he, he really did went into talk shows. Yeah, no, he's he's good, but I mean, it's he's he's really good in this, and Jay Moore is in this, and it's amazing. Now, the uh, uh, the real names in this: Angelina Jolie, uh, Sean Connery, Ellen Burstyn, Jenna Rollins, Madeline Stowe, Ryan Felipe. You know, there's a, there's a big cast here, and uh, it's it's impossible to actually describe the plot of this movie. 
because it'll give everything away. Suffice to say, there are intersecting dramatic threads that all converge. But it is a really, really good movie. And uh, I'm sorry that it's kind of fallen between the cracks. Uh, Written and directed by Willard Carroll, who's gone on to do nothing. Nothing. Like, it's like nothing of note, but uh, really a terrific film, and you got to get this. If you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself to rent this. This is uh, playing by heart. Last in this little Miramax uh, flurry that we have here is uh, the Oscar winner for 2005 Best Foreign Language Film, Tsatsi, uh, which is quite a good film. I didn't think it was the best film of that year, but Gavin Hood, the uh, South African director who did this, of course went on to uh, the much greater and grander Wolverine. Thank you. By the way, the uh, and the now mu- I don't know what he's doing, but you know, and, you know the like, music for that film, strange music for that film by uh, Paul uh, Hepker. He's uh, it's pretty great. It's it's a great score, and uh, yeah. Paul, of course, is a friend of ours. He's a friend of our buddy Ian Hirons. Yep. And Sansi's really it is a really really good film. Uh, again, not probably the best of that year, but it's a very good film. Captures uh, a certain you know catches captures the, well it captures an, a certain class issue in South Africa that. Uh, isn't something that people people typically think about when they think of uh, South Africa, and it is a foreign language film. It is not English, you know. It uh, it's in indigenous languages, and uh, definitely worth catching if you haven't seen it. So, uh, Echo Bridge landed another really good one here. Mark, uh, Top Gear. Kids yeah. love the Top Gear. Kids love the Top Gear, or everybody loves the Top Gear. I know. Top Gear Ameri- American Top Gear is not like the British Top Gear. Yeah, the British Top Gear is cooler. They race cooler cars, and everybody has an accent, and it looks good. Well, it's just they have better talent. They really do. Writers. They do. But you know what? I mean, they. the good thing is that they're also testing cars that aren't necessarily available here, uh, you know, like a Nissan 370Z. You know, the Z series, we were growing up. Remember, do you remember the Z series? Oh, yeah. 240Z, 260, 280, oh, 300Z. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, Halo they were, Jump. They were Datsuns back then. I know. That's bizarre. Dodge Viper. It's good stuff. This is a good show. It's fun. It's uh, hosted by comedians, so you're not getting like all this, you know, really dry mechanical talk. It's good stuff. This is uh, Top Gear, the complete first season. The American version. Wade. Yeah. I have something I would like to tell you. Hmm. Oh, Stu Ball was a racehorse, and I wish he was mine. He never drank water. I he heard, only drank wine. I, thank you. I, I actually heard that song live. Did you really? I did. From and them? It, no. Yeah, well, from one of them. Peter, Paul, or Mary? Pe- Peter. Peter. He came and visited our junior high and sang funny songs to us, and we didn't really understand why Peter, from some group that none of us had ever heard of, was coming to our junior high to sing stuff to us. My father had uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary's Greatest Hits on cassette, I think, and I kind of got mm-hmm. hooked on him. Yeah. And I used to listen to Peter Paul. I'm such a it, yeah. Put put it this way: instead of like Pink Floyd or the Beatles, yeah. I was listening to freaking Peter Paul and Mary. Such, a, such a loser. Anyway, on DVD is a Peter Paul and Mary 25th anniversary concert. First time on DVD. This includes, uh, by the way, songs that you may not realize that they wrote. You know, uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, the sure. classic song about marijuana. Yeah. Peter Paul and Mary. Yeah. Leave it on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Mm-hmm. Peter Paul and Mary. Hot blooded. Also, hot blooded. Also, blowing in the wind. The mm-hmm. Bob Dylan. Yeah. Which Bob Dylan made famous. Peter Paul and Mary. Pretty amazing. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning and hammer in the evening all yeah. over this land. I'd hammer out danger. All that folky stuff. It's good stuff. 
Not good is Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister, uh, D. Snyder, not my favorite band. It seems like we've done like five Twisted Sister releases in just the last couple of months. Uh, that's five too many. Anyway. There's uh, two discs here. This is uh, one is a um, concert from 1982. The second is a New York concert from 2001. And uh, I'm just. Are you over the D. Snyder? I really. Oh, well, the only thing interesting is that you do get to see the band, you know, twenty years apart, you know, in '82 and 2001. You see how they've aged. You get a sense of how their vocal range is has becoming more limited as they age. You know, you get a sense of uh, of their of how their uh, you know there are certainly arthritic knees and elbows start uh, you know affecting their performance, but they still love to rock. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Arthritic knees. That's funny. We're K- not Kiss will it. Kiss will be rocking all the way. Da- they'll be dragging IVs. No, let me tell you something. Let, no, 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 no. Let me tell you something. About a, two months ago, I was coming out of a screening, and I went into the Gelson's. Gelson's is, is, is a is a high end supermarket in well, Los except for the one near you. It's kind of ghetto. You sort of live near the ghetto Gelson's. I know. I was just in there the other day. Yeah. For the first time, I'd never been in there. Uh, the one in Century City is a big time Gelson's. Oh, that's and, a nice one. And in walks Gene Simmons. Who I had never seen in person. I don't think. Oh, really? And let me tell you something. Gene Simmons, he is doddering. I mean, somehow he carries himself mm-hmm. in such a way that even though he's walking really slowly, yeah, it's he's walking in an old man's slow fashion. But because he's Gene Simmons and he's very tall, yeah, and he's he has good posture, that old man slowness kind of makes it almost look like a Clint Eastwood. Uh, cool yeah. saunter, but you know what? He is old. Uh, well, uh, about 15 years ago, I saw Ozzy Osbourne in the drugstore in Pacific Palisades. I bet he spent a lot of time in drugstores. And you know what? He was shuffling like he just could not get it together. And then, of course, they made a reality show, and everyone thought that was uh, that was fun. And the thing is that Gene Simmons, he he he's only he was born in 49, so I he's know. only 63 or something. Yeah, but he's lived uh, a pretty he, hard life. Yeah. You know, a lot of drugs, a lot of girls, whatever. By the way, his real name, Chaim Whites. Yeah, I knew that. Smart guy, actually. Yeah, very smart guy. And we got uh, one more music DVD to discuss. Mm-hmm. Kate Bush. Now, uh, people don't remember Kate Bush. She's I kind of fallen off the radar. You know why? Because the thing with Kate Bush is that uh, talented, she... Talented, talented lady. Cool very voice. Very talented, cool voice, big in the 70s and 80s. Her output is very, it's very sparse. And I don't even know the last time she came out with an album. But uh, Kate Bush, A Life of Surprises, the story so far, is a 180-minute documentary uh, all about uh, her. It is not authorized by Kate Bush herself, so I don't know what that means, Um, because the information is certainly all there, and I think really the question is, uh, why does Kate Bush never record? I don't even know the last time this girl did an album, but she's very talented. Running Up That Hill was one of my favorite songs of that era growing up. And uh, it's good stuff. Rare footage, archive interviews, you know, contributions from those who've, uh, you know, who knew her and played with her. Kate Bush, a life of surprises. If you know Kate Bush, you'll dig it. If you don't, if you don't know Kate Bush, You're coaster. Not care. coaster, coaster, coaster. Yes. Okay. We have a little pile here of uh, what's the deal with these Blu-rays this week? That's the theme for this little pile. Uh, we're back into the Miramax Echo Bridge uh, group here, but the question is, I mean. You know, of the of the Merrimack stuff we talked about this week, like Satsi, why not put Satsi on Blu-ray? Why would you put Hellraiser Hellworld on Blu-ray? Because it's awesome. It's not, though. It's just not. It's not good at all. Like <laughs> It's not good at all. It's not good at all. Like Enough already with the Hellraiser thing. Should not be on Blu-ray. 
Uh, from Dusk Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter. What? Really? Seriously? A third? Why? Because What's the point of this? Because uh, it is a name that people recognize when they're drifting down the aisles of their Best Buy or their local video store and they see, uh, oh, From Dusk Till Dawn. No. By the time they realize it's From Dusk Till Dawn 3, there The Hangman's be, Daughter, they've no. already hooked you into looking at the DVD package. There should not have been a second one. <laughs> no. Um, don't be a menace. Oh, don't be a menace to the hood when you. Well, the complete title, which they don't, which they print in very, very tiny, itty bitty type, is "Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood." I don't you get see it. it re- references South Central and juice and all those hood, hood movies. Hood and it's, menace to society. Yeah, no, not good. This is uh, Sean and Marlon Wayans. The see, they did a lot of these spoof movies. You know, back when the Zuckers oh, kind of like no. either lost their mojo or people or people no. wanted edgier edgier comedy I don't know what it was the Wayans brothers took over that whole thing yeah and it's not but they're good. not funny no this isn't the least bit funny this is terrible there, you know what I, I will say I, I caught some uh, I caught some of a superhero movie or whatever it's called on yeah. uh, cable it was kind of funny Really? <laughs> kind of. Okay, well. I mean, they threw it all against the wall. It's one of those movies. They threw it all against the wall. Some of it was funny. Some of it wasn't. Well, this, is, uh, this was directed by Paris Barkley, who was a good TV director. You remember that? Paris Barkley directed like a lot of uh, NYPD Blues, and he was like a seriously good TV director. And now he's not. He's, he has no career whatsoever. Uh, the next one is a double feature from uh, called Epics of two Tinto Brass movies. Now, you know what that means, and they know what that means, because we always make fun and say Tinto Brass, who, of course, is most famous for directing the absolute debacle uh, that uh, became um, Caligula. And uh, all the rest of his movies are basically just softcore Italian movies that feature lots of women in stiletto heels walking around uh, in, uh, you know, garter belts with stockings and their, their butts hanging out. That's what he does. A lot of bare butts and, and garter belts and uh, stiletto heels. And sure enough, both of these movies, the artwork features two women, stiletto heels, garter belts, butt sticking out. Uh, the one here you've probably heard of is Mon Amour. And the one you probably haven't heard of is Kick the Cock, otherwise known as The New Maid. Uh, why are these on Blu-ray? I don't know. Maybe somebody out there needs the higher resolution to uh, to focus on. Mystery to me. I'm sure some of the stuff, you know, Cult Epics has a lot of great stuff in their library, but why they would release these on Blu-ray, I'm a little mystified. He's a he's a, he's a culty guy. Yes. Yeah, Brass is a cult guy. Yeah. Well. Some people appreciate that. And then we have, for some reason, the 10th anniversary edition of Donnie Darko. Maybe for some reason, Donnie Darko. Well, it's been released already. Like, why dip into this well again? Because uh, this is a four-disc set. Oh, my gosh. Four yeah, discs. Di- digital copy, two DVDs, and a Blu-ray. Uh, this is their 10th anniversary edition. And it is, yeah, fine. Four discs, you know, loaded with extras and commentaries and more stuff about Donnie Darko than I ever really could care. I like this film. I, you know, but he's done nothing else. Well, Southland Tales was the worst film oh that year. Gosh. Dreadful, dreadful One film. One trick pony. Looks like. Do you even think the director's cut of, of uh, Donnie Darko is that great compared to the just the regular theatrical the theatrical's cut? theatrical's fine. It's perfectly I fine. I mean, the, 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 the movie is so out of its mind anyway that do yeah. I need like 20 minutes more no. of it being out of its mind? No. And here's another tragedy. Uh, Dylan Ralph, who almost could have had a career playing Superman over and over and over again. You know what? I, I felt, you know, it, it's such a difficult part to cast. And they cast yeah. this guy, this former bartender, Brandon Routh, and he was good in it. 
You yeah, can't no, blame no, him. Fine. No, you can't blame him, but it's just it's unfortunate. Anyway, he shows up now in a straight-to-video Blu-ray here called Dylan Dog, D-Y-L-A-N. Uh, Dylan Dog, Dead of Night. This is basically just uh, the... Uh, it's like the Night Stalker done up all kind of action film style. You know, he's a, he's a detective, and he's got to deal with all that weird monstery stuff and uh i don't know you know this is this kind of thing's been done a lot and uh, it's being done tons on television and i just don't find any of it all that compelling and then lastly this well uh USA, weird thing yeah this is this is i don't a, get this it's a strange little it's a strange approach usa has a show called burn notice and uh burn notice is uh, it's a moderately popular uh, show uh, but what they did was they released, uh, they made a film called Burn Notice, The Fall of Sam Axe. And it is a full-length feature. And it's sort of like, uh, like uh, it's a side story. It's not a sequel. It's not a prequel. It's like, you know, from the secret files of Burn Notice comes this adjunct story. And it's all about this guy named uh, Sam Axe, played by Bruce Campbell. Yep. And, uh, you know, the the movie is no better or worse than an episode of Burn Notice. It's got a little more money towards it, so there's a couple more explosions. But, um, you know, if you don't like Burn Notice, you're surely not going to like this. And Bruce Campbell, of course, of the uh, heroic chin, stars in the film doing his old Bruce Campbell-y thing. And, uh, you know, it, it's a strange, you know, it, this is sort of the, th- this is the TV version of a straight-to-DVD movie spinoff. Like, do you, do you remember when they... Um, it's, just so, it's just an odd thing to do. I, I, I don't know that any of the Blu-ray collectors out there are just going to be jumping and crawling all over themselves to get this into their library. No. Do you remember when, uh, when, when the Steve Carell Get Smart came out and immediately they released straight to, D, uh, straight to Blu-ray, straight to DVD, a movie featuring two of the supporting characters from the Get Smart film, and they pretty much spun them off into their yeah, own straight-to-DVD yeah, yeah, totally. movie? Yeah, This is like that. This is like the TV version of that. They have spun off Sam Axe into his own straight-to-DVD movie. Uh, I'd pass. Very freaking peculiar. You know what you don't pass on, even though they're just complete programmers, uh, as far as uh, Blu-ray is concerned, is uh, Blues Brothers and Animal House, both out now on Blu-ray. Oh, come on. Yeah, that's fine. You know, to, I mean, they, they, they're great they, films. They're great films, but they've done really next to nothing with them. Universal is just kind of spitting them out, which Fox and Universal are doing this a lot, and Paramount a little bit, too. Uh, and it kind of bothers me. They're, it's like they're, now they're trying to just get the Blu-rays out there because they've kind of given up on the idea of being able to price Blu-rays at 30 and $40 a piece. So now they figure, okay, if we can keep Blu-rays going at DVD prices for a little while, we can sustain the, the packaged market and we can maybe, you know, until streaming takes off. It's not, it's not a very organized business approach. Everybody's kind of treading water. And the thing is that the studios have to decide what is a catalog title and what is a legacy title. Like, like, to me, Blues Brothers and Animal House is a legacy title. Yeah, absolutely. But it they, should have been a big deal on Blu-ray, but they instead they're just kind of spitting them out. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good upgrade. I mean, it's, it's okay, but they didn't really do it upright. That is true. All right. Uh, Mark, let's do some TV. Oh, it's Wade's favorite part of the show, Mark, all of his crappy British TV. All right, I'm going to blow through the British TV stuff Thank real quick. God. Super fast, super fast, because we got some other good stuff. There's a lot of Doctor Who here today. Uh, Doctor Who here today. Doctor Who cares? Doctor Who here. Doctor Who who. Um, the uh, first one, of course, is uh, the new Doctor Who, which is a uh, series six part one. 
uh, which is kind of a big deal. And I, I kind of, I gotta be honest, I'm kind, it's, I'm sort of, I'm kind of getting on board a little bit. Uh, not completely, but we'll see. You know, uh, Matt Smith is. He's a, he's a good who, and uh, I'd like to see him in something other than Doctor Who, but we got to wait for him to kind of uh, run through the uh, the whole, uh, kind of run the course with the, the who part, and then he'll move into something else. Everybody has to kind of do their time in Doctor Who. Anyway, uh, some interesting uh, stuff here. It's a much higher production value, and uh, if you've been following it, you will... Uh, find it irresistible then we also have some stuff from the peter davidson uh, davison years 82 to 84 this is the awakening and then uh from the william hartnell years 63 to 66 the gunfighters um hartnell is a really interesting who and uh I, this is you know obviously going way way back the uh you know one of the old guys He's one of the old, crusty old dudes. Well, it's not, funny not how, the, like... Oh, we've gone from old guys to young guys. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't have a main character of a modern show be old. Very true. Be over, what, 35? That, is what? That, he's 40? I know. Isn't that weird? Oh, like, my gosh. Jim Rockford. 40. Jim Rockford. Where would he be today? He'd be beaten up on the side of the road. Yeah. Well, anyway. All right. What else we got? Oh, is this me? Yeah. Uh, Supernatural, the anime series, is on Blu-ray. This is an interesting little uh, uh, project because Supernatural was a live-action series, ladies and gentlemen, and it has been reimagined uh, as an anime series. Total blessing of the original showrunner, series creator. Uh, they, they take the first two seasons, and they uh, kind of make them into anime. And it's kind of cool. I mean, I don't really like Supernatural. I don't really like the show, but I will say that I appreciate the attempt to take a live-action thing and uh, reconceptualize it. So this is uh, two discs, 22 episodes. Uh, interesting stuff. Supernatural Blu-ray. Supernatural, the anime series. Very cool. Uh, Jersey Shore, season three, the end of civilization. I don't know these people. I don't like these people. I don't get it. It's all a bunch of phony crap what, what, anyway. What is funnier is the spinoff they do on Jimmy Fallon. I find that very funny. I just, you know what? I just, why do I want to live in this world? I don't. I mean, honestly, come on, people. Yeah. Uh, Dina and Snooky and I just it's so soul suckingly horrible. Yeah, I mean it's just we'll make and, and you know what you can't blame these guys. Look, these guys now make like a hundred thousand dollars an episode. Uh, I mean these guys really? will be rich. Yes, they renegotiated oh. their deal in the in the uh, for the new season. What's wrong with our world? They make like a hundred thousand dollars an episode. I mean these guys are nobodies from nowhere. Uh. I just don't get. I just don't get what. Uh, forget it. It's not worth it. Okay, you know, uh, the Bretts. A lot of people haven't heard of this. this Sabretts, the, uh, no. the, the, uh, the New York hot dog? Sabretts? No, no. Oh, my gosh. What an obscure reference. Yeah, Where Sabretts. Where did that come from? You, you, you said Sabretts. Go, no, go back to sleep. Uh, the, 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 I was just dozing, by the way, not sleeping. You. The Bretts. This is the complete collection, a 19-episode series from British television. Very, very cool. It's kind of like what Upstairs Downstairs is to the whole aristocratic arrangement with, uh, you know, master and servant. This is to the British stage, to a dramatic family, a dramatic family of actors. Um, so it's upstage, downstage. Oh, there you go. Everybody always looking to upstage somebody else. Uh, terrific actors, a lot of fun, and it doesn't overstay its welcome because it's only 19 episodes, which is about 15, 16 hours, something like that. And then the uh, the Endless Spy Series, MI5, uh, is out now with Volume 9. 
you know what? It's a cool series. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I can take nine volumes of it, but uh, cool enough. You know, they, they've kept it going really nicely. Good production value, great acting. And, uh, and you know, British spies, better than American spies because they're debonair. They're, yeah, but... They're, they're debonair, Mark. But better than that, Israeli spies. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Wade, there was a show in the 60s, early 60s, Dennis early the 60s. Menace. Oh, yeah. Dennis the Menace, of course, is the classic cartoon character who is not that hip anymore. In fact, really, what cartoons are, you know, what, what, what comic strips are really all that hip anymore? I mean, like, it all died with Calvin and Hobbes and the far side. When Calvin and Hobbes and the far side left, it and, was like... And, uh, and the whole Outland, Bloom County, yep. Opus uh, sequence. I, once I mean, that's all done, I'm done. Do we really need more Beetle Bailey? No. Like, do we need more of the Lockhorns? No. As I've said many times before, the only funny comic, the only classic comic that will live forever is Get Fuzzy. Get Fuzzy is hilarious, and I love Get Fuzzy. Otherwise, it's, it's over. Anyway, Dennis the Menace uh, is available now on uh, the live-action version from the 60s, available on uh, DVD. This is the complete second season, 38 episodes, 1960, 1961. And, uh, funny. You know, I don't know that it, it dates that well. No, come on. This is crap. <laughs> I enjoyed it when I was a kid. You know, he's, about a, he's a mischievous kid, and I was a mischievous kid, and, you know, whatever. It's just so... Uh, yeah, you know what? If you're a kid, I guess... You're not that discriminating in your entertainment. <laughs> I guess you'll dig it. But really, I, 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 it's the worst. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, Conan the Adventurer, season one, is an animated show that uh, really has no purpose in existing. Well, there's a new Conan movie coming out, which looks terrible. It looks awful. It really does. I don't know why they would remake that. I you just don't. It's like you've got – it's like they – they, they want to take a character who, to me, really yeah. is just a low-budget B-movie character. He really is. And, they want, it, and they, they, they want to throw $40 million at it and make it into something. Well, anyway, this is, you know what, this just never, ever should have been an animated TV show because so much of Conan is in the artwork that graced the, uh, the books, which is all that Frank Frazetta stuff. And this just kind of filmations up the whole thing and makes it just so goofy. You know how much I hate filmation. I know you do. And I like filmation, but it never, that, that kind of animation never should have been applied here. That's just not a good thing. Uh, Conan the Adventurer Season 1, for those of you that like it. But uh, another one that we really, really, oh, we love this so much, Mark. What do we love? We do? No, we don't. Young Justice, Season 1, Volume 1 of Young Justice. This is sort of the. Uh, this is like the sequel uh, to Baby Justice, where the uh, exactly. where the Justice League met in preschool, and how they formed alliances that would last a lifetime. I think someday Young Justice will meet Scooby Doo Babies, will then meet uh, Star Trek Starfleet Academy, the aborted uh, Star Trek us. show. Anyway, uh, Young Justice is all about uh, Robin, Aqualad, Kid Flash, Miss Martian, Artemis, the Young Justice League. Not good. No, it's really not. This is season one, volume one, and and I, the the whole youthification of look, superheroes are youth oriented already enough to begin with. Why do we have to make them even younger? But Why you re- does everything have to be baby and teenage? But you realize that Superman, I believe, is like thirty two years old, maybe thirty four. Like in the comic, Superman is thirty two. He's, he's either thirty two or thirty four. He should be. And if you're like ten years old, yeah, and you're reading about a thirty four year old, cool. That's your dad. So, exactly. who wouldn't want Superman for a dad? I wouldn't. Uh, and then uh, Stargate Atlantis, the complete series on Blu-ray. I know, you've been waiting for it, right? All five seasons and all those special features in a wonderful door-stopping brick. Uh, that just, you know, we hate this show. But uh, I will say this. 
the Blu-ray quality, impeccable. Really impeccable. The story's terrible. Well, so, it, well the show's well shot. Yeah, no, it's a really well shot show. Great special effects, but come on, really? Uh, it's Christmas time, maybe, as a gift. All right, with that, we are uh, we're done. And uh, even though Stupid for Movies will exist no more, or perhaps not for No the, more with us. No more with us, but uh, we are still here. You're Weekly Digigods. Digigods.com, by the way. Digigods.com. See you next week.